up, everybody? Thanks again for joining me for another edition of March 4th with Mike Bauman. I, of course, am your host, Mike Bauman. Whoever you are, wherever you are listening from, thank you so much for checking out the podcast. If you're a returning listener, I greatly appreciate your continued love and support. And if you're a brand new listener of the show, man, thank you so much for hopping aboard that pirate ship. You can follow me on Instagram at March 4th Pod, on Twitter at Mike V. Bauman. The host site is March4th.podbean.com. The link tree to all my stuff is in the podcast description for this episode. Y'all made it here, so you found me somehow. And I truly appreciate each and every one of you checking out another edition of the March 4th with Mike Bauman podcast. In all seriousness, uh, y'all, I am, uh, boy, I said that, in all seriousness, in all seriousness, I got a little tongue-tied there, you guys. Um, I'm a little tired. I had a, uh, I bet I started a new workout recently, and I'm actually recording this at night, and normally I do it during the day, but I'm getting this bad boy done because I've got, I've got uh, some family coming in town, and actually, by the time this episode comes out, they will have already been in town, so I'm sure we will have had a very swell visit here in Nashville, Tennessee. The weather's nice. The leaves are changing. Everybody's getting on the pumpkin spice wave while we got it. Uh, isn't that funny how they make stuff limited, though? Like, it, it does, like real quick, here's a, here's a sidebar. Doesn't it just seem like it would make more sense with the love of pumpkin spice that they just sell that year-round? You know what I mean? It's kind of like when they do the shamrock shakes at McDonald's. It's like, oh, it's only for a limited time. It's like, dude, wouldn't you guys just make a killing just selling that year-round? I don't know. Just a thought. I get that, like, scarcity kind of makes people want things more sometimes if it's limited. Limited time only. Get your pumpkin spice latte. But it's also like, yeah, but would people really not mess with it in February if they're like, you know what? I'm feeling pumpkin spice today. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, sidebar. But yeah, man. So I'm really excited to see family. Uh, my mom and my stepdad are coming in town for a visit. And really, this is the first time I think in probably, probably like four years before the apocalypse, man. Um, because yeah, they came down in 18. I remember that with my sister. Shout out, Kaylin. I love you. And uh, then 19, I went home in the fall and was at my brother Greg's place and spent some time with my niece and my nephew. Shout out Luke and Aubrey. I love you guys. And got to spend some time with them there. And then 2020 was obviously the pandemic and everything went cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. But yeah, man, so I'm really jazzed about getting a chance to spend some time with my mom and my stepdad. Got a chance to meet up with some friends last weekend who I hadn't seen in a minute because I've kind of been in hermit mode. <laughs> Not kind of. I have been in hermit mode, man. I go to I go to work. I do my podcast. I exercise. And then the in-between, I you know, go down YouTube rabbit holes and listen to other podcasts and music. And <laughs> that's just how I've been living lately, man. But, but that's how I roll, man. I go into hermit mode when I want to focus on things. And I know it's not good to spend a lot of time alone, especially when you're going through stuff. You got to spend time with your community, whoever that is, whether it's a church you go to, your friend group, your family, all of the above, you know, make sure you get out there, get some fresh air and spend some time with your loved ones. Like when I saw my friend's um, it was just like, wow, like we just had a cool night hanging around the bonfire in their backyard and just, just chilling and talking and connecting with each other. And when, when people really love you and they really know you, they know what you're going through. And so just let that be a reminder to everybody out there. If you're struggling right now and like me, you tend to isolate when you struggle 
it, it really is better to to stay in touch with the people who really care about you because they they know what's up you know even if you don't tell them they they know what's going on they they know if you're having a tough time and and not really I wouldn't say that I've been quote unquote struggling I've just been figuring things out um the podcast has been going great um I've gotten a chance to connect with a lot of awesome people one of whom I'm going to get to here in a second when I'm done ranting and um it's been cool to see it build. It's been cool to see you guys out there listening to it all over the world. I think uh, I've mentioned it a couple of times now because it still kind of blows my mind, but there's been downloads in, I want to say, 16, 17 different countries the last time I checked this year, which is really rad. So it's been cool to see the show grow, and I'm excited for, for what's on deck to close out 2022, including this episode and and, and you know really building for 2023 to to knock 2022 out of the water, man. And it's just, it's, it's all done from a place of love. I love doing this. I love connecting with people, but, but yeah, you know, in terms of, in terms of me outside of this, man, yeah, I've just kind of had my head down grinding, you know, exercising. That's if I, if I sound a little sluggish <laughs> compared to usual, it's just cause I, I had a good workout tonight and I'm not even saying that to sound like a meathead. Cause if you saw me, you'd be like, that dude's kind of thin, man. Um, I'm never going to look like The Rock, you guys. I don't have the money for that grocery bill, and uh, my body type just ain't like that. Plus, I'm not starring in big blockbuster movies, dude. I don't need to have a hulking body like that, but I respect the heck out of Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and I would like to work out with him just once, just to see if I could keep up. Probably not. I mean, obviously, I wouldn't be moving what that dude's moving in the gym. You know what I'm saying? Um but it would be cool to just to just do a workout that he does and just see how I feel afterwards. I I, I know how I would, but you, you know how there's things where you're just like, you know, I couldn't guard Michael Jordan, but I'd want to know what that was like to try. You know what I mean? Is anybody else out there crazy like that, like me, where you're like people who are way out of your league for, for something that you're interested in, whether it's fitness or basketball or music, and you just go, wouldn't it be cool to just jam one time, you know, with such and such? Anyway. I'm going on a lot of rants here, but yeah, so things are going well, but uh, I'm really excited to see family because I need that and I miss that. And that's the one thing about living in Nashville is as much as I enjoy the music scene here and the entertainment here and the outdoors here, Tennessee's a beautiful state and Nashville is kind of almost in the middle of it, really. Um, I really miss family. So that's a word of advice out there. If you're struggling, if you're going through some stuff. Um, alone time is important, but it's also important to spend time with your friends and your family and get some rest and relaxation, man. Don't forget to connect with people in a positive way. And speaking of connecting with people in a positive way, I am really grateful for this individual because we actually got in touch probably, gosh, it's October as of recording this episode or at least getting it out to the world. We did it right at the edge of uh, September going into October, but we connected in May, it was, uh, I put out the Allie Slater episode. Shout out Allie. If she's listening. Hi, what's up? You, you are awesome. You're a future star. And I mean it. If you guys aren't familiar with her, check her out, especially if you're a fan of Johnny, listen to this. I'm sure you're aware of her, but if not check out her stuff, she's a great, great talent. And she's got a bright future in music. In my opinion, I digress, but, um, but I want to say this guy reached out after, the Ali Slater episode I think he commented on the post that I put up and then I DM'd him and it just kind of went from there and then we had a couple of missed emails from each other and that's how these things go sometimes man but the cool thing is when people really want to make something happen they make it happen 
and this dude made it happen. He is none other than Johnny Zirkle of the band The Wildfires Project and the TV show Sounds of the Underground, which you can watch on CBS and YouTube. It features artists from the alternative punk and hardcore scenes, everybody from Dead Lakes to the Red Jumpsuit Apparatus to the Rex, Outline and Color, He Is We, Mest, August Burns Red, Alisana, the latest uh, episode I think has Icon for Hire, at the time of this coming out, Simple Plan, you guys saw. And really, it's it's cool because he, he features up-and-coming artists and also established artists, does interviews with them. It's a really cool concept. And as you guys will hear, this is something that, you know, is just an awesome, awesome project. There's not a lot of people involved in it, and it looks very professionally done. The band's performing live is great. The interviews are fun and funny. Uh, we talk about the one he did with the with the guys in Dead Lakes. Like, it's a really well put together show, man. Watching it, you would think it's this big produced show with a lot of financial backing, and really, it's 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 a small team of people, including Johnny. So, it's really cool to see what he's been able to do, to see him have the kind of desire to you know put on up-and-coming artists, you know, much in the same vein that I do here with this podcast. You know, that's what's really cool about being a show that's on the come-up like mine. And even if I ever do blow up like Joe Rogan, I'm going to put it out there in the universe, that would be great. So Spotify, if you want to throw me some dough, let me know. Um, But it's cool to feature independent artists, and it was just so awesome to get a chance to talk to a guy who I really feel like is hustling. He loves music. He loves entertainment. As you guys will hear, he's got a background in that. He started out acting when he was a child and started to really take music seriously, more so when he got into junior high. He's also done work in the nonprofit space when it comes to cyberbullying and bullying with Reverse the Trend, speaking to kids. I mean, this dude has got his hands in a lot of stuff. And, uh, you know, the Wildfires Project, I really love. Um, there's, there's just so many great tracks from those guys. In the Calm and Headlights off of Lost and Searching, the latest EP I really love. My Disease, Wasting Time from Through Fear and Fighting, uh, To the End, Bleed for You, Off of Garden State Volume 1. Like I, The list goes on, man. I could go on for days, and I don't want to rant too much because I'm already at 10 minutes in the intro of this bad boy. But Johnny's a cool cat out of New Jersey, and uh, he's a driven dude. He's got a hell of a voice as far as his singing voice goes, and he's just got a hell of a drive, man. Like I said, Sounds of the Underground, if you've seen it, and those of you listening to this, many have you many of you probably have seen it if you're a fan of Johnny, but for those of you who haven't seen it, it's awesome. Obviously listen to this podcast first before you watch it and then go check it out. Be respectful, darn it. You already made it ten minutes into the intro. You might as well finish it. Um, but it's just a really well put together show, man. And like I said, I love the concept. I love merging up and coming artists performing on the same show as established artists and the interviews in between it's just a really cool thing that he's hatched and you guys in this conversation will hear about how he has persevered and moved forward the theme of the show being perseverance and moving forward march 4th through his life and pursuing his passion with music the wildfires project sounds of the underground we talk a little horror because we're both horror movie fans it was really fun to catch up with them, and I'm just so glad that we were able to make it happen after five months. He got married. Like, there was a lot going on, and I think it showed his professionalism and, and his respect for, for my show to come on and take the time, and we had a great conversation. So without further ado, 
I'm going to show my big yapper and give you guys my conversation with Johnny Zirkel of the Wildfires Project and Sounds of the Underground. Here it is. All right, Johnny, thank you so much, man, again, for taking the time to do this. Like I said, when you reached out, I think it was after I did the episode with uh, with Allie Slater, um, and it was great to connect with her. And I think I think she's a future star, man, just her voice and her vibe. And she was so kind to talk to. And yeah, we've been uh, for, to give people a little background. We've been we've been communicating back and forth, um, you know, trying to get this going for for months. But first, I, I, I again, I'm glad you're here. Thank you for taking the time. And, and again, congrats on recently getting married, man. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me as well. You're welcome, dude. There's there's so many places I, I want to go. And again, I don't want to like chew your ear off because um, that's not the goal of this podcast is to scare people from ever coming back. But um, you have like a rich music and just entertainment history. And obviously the show Sounds of the Underground, which people can see on CBS and YouTube, like your project, the Wildfires Project. There's There's like so many places I want to start, but usually where I like to start because I, I feel like we share the love for music, even though you got the pipes and you can actually sing. And uh, I just like, you know, scream into my mirror. Um, I read that initially, and, and you mentioned it before the jump, but like when you were young, your parents weren't necessarily musical, but you and your brother took to it. And you got to see like Bruce Springsteen and Motley Crue and Kiss, which I'm sure as a kid seeing the, the yeah. stage show. But so what is your earliest musical memory, dude? So... Probably my earliest music memory is when I was, I think, like five or six, maybe even younger. My parents took us to see Bruce Springsteen and being from New Jersey, you know, Bruce Springsteen is the guy. Yeah. So, you know, before I was 15, I think I saw Bruce Springsteen four times in concert. Um, And as you said, you know, Kiss, Billy Idol, Motley Crue, my parents were always good with getting us the concerts. We had to do chores to earn the ticket price. So we'd have like this little sheet on the fridge. and was like, okay, I did this, this, and this. This equals five bucks. So we're how far away from a ticket? And, you know, KISS tickets are not the price of your pop punk $20 show. They're, they're up there. But um, so that's probably my earliest memory. We had like those plastic guitars and drum sets when we were around that age. And I got my Fender Squire when I was seven and... I actually initially wanted to switch over to drums because as a kid, the guitar with my small hands was too difficult. And my mom was just like, I bought you a guitar. You're learning how to play that guitar before anything else. And then I started to learn how to play guitar, but I would never finish the songs I learned. So then the deal was like, oh, you know, you can get your ear pierced if you finish three songs. (laughs) So if it wasn't for my mom constantly pushing me to do more and get better, um, definitely wouldn't be where I am right now. And then there was a moment when I saw Billy Idol as a kid. He let me stand behind the barricades. And from the stage, he shook my hand and said, one day you're going to be on this stage. And so I took that to heart. And you bet your ass I was on that stage. (laughs) Holy crap, dude. That's a pretty that's a pretty big thing. Yeah. It was at the Stone Pony in Asbury Park, New Jersey, which also for Bruce Springsteen fans is, you know, the place. Um, so it was cool being able to play there when I was really young and then just everything that's happened since then. That's really awesome, man. And I think it's like 
there's always those people in our life, whether it's our parents, um, obviously there, there are musicians who come from a, a, a musical family. And then there's people that I've talked to like yourself where it's like, okay, maybe my parents weren't like playing, but like they love music. And that's kind of how it was for me. You know, um, my mom's side, or I should say my mom rather very into eighties pop, the police talking heads, all of that stuff, Duran Duran, the new wave stuff. She started, yeah. the closest she kind of scratched the surface of stuff that I was into was she really loves Pearl Jam. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and then my dad was very much, you know, classic rock, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there was Springsteen, but I remember from him, it was like heavy Clapton, um, journey, a lot of Tom Petty. Uh, and it was similar dynamic. My mom took us to see Duran Duran. Um, and she was always into that kind of thing, anything she could dance to. And then my dad was more like the Bruce Springsteen, the songwriters, things like that. And, um, yeah, so so pretty much the same dynamic. And as far as you were saying, Pearl Jam, you know, while I don't play music that's anything like it anymore, the 90s is my favorite. Alice in Chains is my favorite band. Um, and while sadly I have never been able to see them with Lane, I was able to see them four times. And they actually played at my college once. Awesome. Where'd you go to school? Uh, Monmouth University in New Jersey. Oh, right. For stopping after a year and a half and finishing online because you can't be in a stable school when you're on the road. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I'm with you. Alice in Chains is, is one of my favorite bands. And, um, there's certain people you see live. Like I was very fortunate to get to see uh BB King, um, wow. years before he passed and my buddy's girlfriend at the time got us tickets and we were right in the front row. Like my feet were hitting this, the stage at the Stranahan theater in Toledo and it was like, it was just like watching a human do what they were born to do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I had that same experience a few years ago. It was uh, the year before the pandemic when Alice in Chains did a co-headlining tour with Korn. Um, yes, I was there. Oh, you that, went to that? Yeah. That concert was so good. Uh, I I don't think I was emotional at any other concert more than that one. You're talking about the one with Under Oath and Fever 333? Yes, yes. It was so good. <laughs> I, I wanted, I didn't get a chance to get there to, by the time I got off work, Fever 333 had already, um, or, or actually, I think, I think the leg that I was on, it was horror, I think is who, who, oh, okay. I think it was horror and then Under Oath. Um, and then it was, uh, Alice in Chains and then Corn came mm-hmm. on last and they opened up with Here to Stay, which is like one of my favorite riffs. It's just such a heavy, just dum dum. And I had seen Corn before, but I had never seen them with Brian back in the band. Um, mm. Back in like 2010, when Mayhem Fest was still a thing. Yeah. Uh, it was like Corn, Rob Zombie, Death Punch, and Lamb of God, I think, played. Um, they were the headliners. But anyway, seeing Jerry Cantrell play and, and all those guys, man, it's like, um, it was awesome, dude. It was like a spiritual experience. So for you, having those moments as a kid, I read, was it junior high? You and your brother really started to kind of take it like more seriously, like really like practice. Yeah, getting into it, it was it was around eighth grade. Um, there was a battle of bands at our school and we convinced our friend to ask his mom for a guitar for Christmas. And he did. And, you know, we probably played the worst rendition of Sweet Child of Mine and into a bunch of other old songs. I think we played a Kiss song as a medley, but. What's funny is right after, so I was, I went to junior high, uh, fifth grade, sixth grade, and then for seventh and eighth grade, I was homeschooled, but I came back at the end of eighth grade 
right after playing that battle of the bands. So I was like the coolest kid in school, but for some reason I decided to not go to the town high school where I would have been kept that popularity, but I went to the County technical school to do communications. And then it was just like bottom of the totem pole again, you know, new school, new people, new nobody. But um, that's kind of where we were able to start writing more. And in my freshman year of high school, Um, we actually got to play one of the biggest festivals that was on the East coast at the time, which was bamboozle. Um, and it was, yeah, it was, it was just a really great time. And when we played, it was, I want to say it was the year Lincoln. No, it was Coheed and Cambria was there. And then another large band, I think it was actually might've been my cam, uh, doing the black parade. So it was really cool. You know, as, as a young kid being able to play at that big festival and, yeah, I, I just like I still remember those moments vividly. Dude, that's crazy. And Coheed, they're New York guys, right? Aren't they? Aren't they? Are, yeah, I think so. New York, New Jersey. Um, See, Coheed, they're amazing live. They're one of those weird bands where like I don't listen to them. Um, I don't dislike them. They're just not a band I ever put on. But I've seen them multiple times and have loved it every single time. Yeah, yeah. So, but. Yeah. So you mentioned being being the cool kid in school. Is that like, so I, I that was two weeks of my life. Two weeks. two weeks of my life, I got to be the cool kid. I'm with you, dude. I was never the cool kid. I I looked like uh, if people want to do an Instagram deep dive, uh, I I looked exactly like Dwight Schrute when I was in third grade. I had bifocals. It's eerie. The picture is eerie. I've actually tweeted a couple times, and I think I've tagged like Rain Wilson. And I don't know. Maybe he thinks I'm like a weirdo. I I did it for like like poops and gigs. I was just like, Hey, you guys owe me like, you know, royalties, dude, you totally jacked my style from like <laughs> 1997. And, but who knows? They probably get weirdos who think that's serious, but no. So I'm with you, man. Like when I was younger, I was, I was not the cool kid in school, man. I, I was the dude, the girls were asking for like to see my homework. I was friends with the cool kids, but I wasn't the cool kid. I remember going into sixth grade. I went to the barber. And at that point in time, I think the bowl was moderately cool still, but he kept screwing it up. So it just kept going higher and higher and higher on my head. And so I just say, stop. So look at a freaking mushroom. The yearbook photos are terrible. Um, I don't think I've ever taken a good one. I mean, my senior year, I have an emo in it and nobody else in my school was emo. So <laughs> farm town kind of thing. People drove their tractors to school. And here I am with highlights in my hair and an emo over in a suit for my picture. Mine was, uh, I had the gel going, man. I get it all wet and then it, my hair, it almost looked, I have brown hair, but it looked, it looked like it was the color black because it was just like, I had so gelled in there. Yeah. That it was the spike thing, man. I had the spikes going. Oh, style choices. I don't, I, I hope I'm moderately better with my style, now. <laughs> but, but we were talking before the jump too. So you, um, in addition to music, you were acting as a child too. How did you, yeah. how did you get into that? Cause I read your mom was in the mm-hmm. entertainment industry right like your dad wasn't music or anything like that but your mom worked in the entertainment industry yeah so my mom had started out um she always says her first role was playing a black cabbage patch kid um in a mall and then from there she got into you know photography modeling things like that and eventually acting so when we were born um my brother, he he landed a gig right away. He was on a soap opera for the first eight years of his life from like a few months old um, up to eight years old. And then I was kind of always like 
the real reason I got into acting was because every time I had to go with them and I saw the craft food services table and I wanted food, my mom would just be like, Hey, if you want to eat the food, you got to become an actor. So <laughs> when I was like four years old or something, I was like, all right, I'll do it. And then I, you know, back then I got my SAG card pretty quickly and you know, it wasn't a huge part of my life living like an hour and a half outside New York, you know, driving in for auditions. Obviously I didn't drive. My mom did, but you know, it was just a lot. And I was lucky enough to land a couple independent movies. Uh, one of them's called the groomsman with Ed Burns. That's one we were talking about that had Jay Moore, Brittany Murphy, Matt Lillard. Um, and then there was another movie I did with the same crew but my parts got mostly cut because my role was to be like the biggest jerk in the school. And when the teacher and one of the other guys were walking in, I just had to like rip them a new one. Like I've cursed more in that five minutes than my entire life. Cause that's what I was paid to do. And it was on a city street in New York. I just remember these people walking by and I'm like, what the hell did he just say? <laughs> and I think it was a little too bad for the you know, the rating they were going for. So they had to cut most of it. But um, aside from that, and a few commercials, it kind of always went back to music. There was a point where I had to make a decision, um, you know, what I was going to do. And I ultimately chose music, but I also regret how I chose music. I kind of, I kind of just bombed my last thing with my agent at the time. I was moving out to California for a little while and um, she wanted to put a reel together and put it out there. And I just was like, not interested at that point in time. So, you know, hindsight, you know, as a teenager, I wish I didn't do that. Um, but I'm happy still that I chose music as my primary form of entertaining. Yeah. And that, and that was the one thing I wanted to ask you, because I feel like we all have a, a tipping point, Johnny, you know what I mean? Where it's like, there's a, whether you want to, you know, whatever analogy you want to use, whether there's a fork in a road or you, you know, you have a mentor or somebody or the universe comes through to you and somebody just kind of says, Hey, so that's, that's what I kind of wanted to ask you what, what that moment was that clicked where it's like, man, music is, cause I feel like some people, they know kind of right away when they're young, you know, like my brother, mm -hmm. he's been into planes since we were kids. Like for me going to like a hockey game or like a football game was like, cool for him. It was like, Hey dad, can we go to the airport? You know, yeah. 11 and stuff. And we used to be able to go to Detroit Metro and my brother would have his binoculars and he could be like, Oh, that's an L 10, 11. That's a, you know, whatever, you know, he knew all the planes. So yeah. some people know when they're really young, but for you, was that the the tipping point with the acting experience and the music experience? Was that the tipping? Yeah, point? it was always, my heart was always more into music. And I think maybe a lot of that had to do with, like I was saying, you know, auditions in New York and I'm living an hour and a half away, you know, more than that with traffic, you know, when you're younger, it's like, okay, I could play and practice in my house and go and play a show 30 minutes away, or I can go two hours into the city, two hours out for a five minute audition where I, you know, 99.9% .9 chance someone else might get it type of thing. So when I was 17, uh, I had the opportunity to graduate high school early because of the way the schedule was able to work out. My mom said, Hey, do you want to do a whole year of school or do you want to do half a year of school? And then we can do like a small acoustic tour just you across the country, you know, we'll get in a car, we'll practice, we'll learn. Um, and that was the most appealing thing to me. And it was probably the biggest moment of growth for me as an artist and a performer, because up until then, I always had a band. And I, I was never good at talking on stage. My brother always jumped in. I would never know what to say to people. Um, I could speak a lot in the songs, but even now on stage, sometimes I'll get 
you know, lost, I'll be like, okay, what do I say? That's not like a generic, Hey, you know, we'll be hanging out by our merch table. Come say hi. Um, so being put in the position where I am the only person on stage or just coffee shops, let's be honest. Um, it was a big thing, especially when I got to California and my mom dropped me off on Hollywood Boulevard and said, you're here, play music. You got to learn and start from the bottom. So she just dropped me off right where all the people are taking pictures with the fake Spider-Mans with an acoustic guitar. I didn't have any speaker, so nobody could hear me. And I was doing that and playing on the Third Street Promenade. And, you know, people say they grind, but that was the most uncomfortable grinding and being alone on the street in a completely new place that I'd never been. um, Definitely a big turning point. And back to, you know, not knowing what to say on stage it reminds me of something funny at a concert i did see i wanted to see census fail when i was in high school and i don't know how he is now but at that time i guess buddy was really awkward talking on stage and didn't know what to say either so at one point out of nowhere he just grabbed a bible and started reading a random verse out of it and then was like all right that's my talking back to the music <laughs> um, and i just i was like what just happened in this moment but it's cool because you realize that, you know, there are people you go to see in concert and they're just super, you know, they can say a ton of stuff between songs and just pull things out of thin air. Bruce Springsteen, he'll tell a story that doesn't even have to do with the song. You know, and I have, there's a live recording when he does the river and that's about his, um, I, th- I forget if it's a sister and brother-in-law or brother and sister-in-law, you know, having a baby before marriage, but the whole speech beforehand is about him going to try out for the military and not making it like my brains never worked that way. It's always been more of like a heart to heart type of thing. And I think now I've kind of come to terms with that. Like, you know, I might not be the person who could tell a full story before a song, but I'll at least be able to connect with you in some way. And if you do come to the merch table, I will be able to connect with you further. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause I mean, obviously watching, you know, sounds of the underground and stuff. I'm like, Oh, this dude, like, he's a, like one of the things that jumped out to me, I was like, he's a performer. He's comfortable, you know, with the camera in front of him, he's comfortable on a microphone. And like, I used to do local broadcasting in addition to sports writing and stuff when I got out of college. And that was like, I, my brain goes from like zero to worst case scenario. So I was like, Mm -hmm. I'm panic attack. I'm going to vomit. Somebody's going to see this on YouTube and my whole career is over. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but I could tell just from watching sounds of the underground, I'm like this dude's seasoned. Like he's, he's, he's comfortable with this. It's not just like a confidence thing. Like, and I don't know how many takes you do. Cause there's, there's behind the scenes stuff where you're talking about yeah. you know, mics that you guys use, you know, the drums and everything, how you set things up. And so I'm like, okay, maybe this, this is pre-scripted. Maybe he's reading from something, but he's doing it smooth. And I, and I like, it took me a while. I felt like to get to that point. So I was like, this dude's like, yeah. he's got the confidence for that. So it kind of makes sense to know that you were doing mm. acting when you were younger and stuff. Cause it's like one, that's a different experience than a lot of other kids. I mean, kids play travel sports and, but that's different from like, yeah, hey, we're going to travel to this place and play this game versus, Hey, we're going to go in the city. There's going to be like, however many other kids here with their parents, yeah. <laughs> who knows if I'm going to get this, you know, cause you had remember- rejection at a, at a young age too. Yeah. Well, so there's well two things kind of came out of the one like the first commercial I got as like a lead person and it wasn't even that big of a lead but I think the only reason, you know, you talk about being seasoned, 
it was the scene was me and a girl and we were at school. It was just like a hanging out thing. Um, and when I was auditioning, I went in, did my audition, came out. There were no other guys there yet for the audition. So like, hey, can you stay and audition with the next girl? Got out. There were still no guys there for the audition. They're like, hey, can you come and audition with this? So I got so comfortable with the people. I was like, oh, I don't get this. Then I really suck. But, um, you know, I got it, which was great. And, you know, that was really motivational. But, you know, I, t- I tell people out in California how different, you know, the East Coast is. And I would consider, you know, Ohio as more part of the East Coast. It's a very similar culture to New Jersey, the Ohio, Detroit, um, tougher people, a lot more rain. Uh, so my biggest example is in New Jersey if you, or New York, if you're not early, you're late. I showed up early, like 15 minutes early for an audition once at one of those places. They said, you're late. We can't take you. Um, like that would not happen out here at all, which I kind of like because then I'm always ahead of everybody. And it's like, oh, wow, this guy got here early. But every now and then it's like, why is this guy here so early? But um, yeah, acting was cool. And as far as Sounds of the Underground goes, you know, there is no script. We have to, because the it's all self-produced and self-funded. The only way this show is paid for is by my pocket, uh, or brands and bands kind of helping out where they can. So like SE Electronics, they've been with us from the start. They send us a ton of microphones and then our deal with them is afterwards, we're able to sell that to pay for the show. So because of that, we've always just crammed everything into two days. This last season we did, we did all the filming in two days. There's no time for retakes. You know, our budget just does not allow for it. And I've kind of played back and forth. The first season we did, I was like, you know, let me look up the artist. Let me get as much as possible. And then let me pull their band names or song names and make jokes off of them that to see if they catch them here and there. There's an interview with Craig Owens. um, And I forget which song it was, but I said it. And like a minute later, he got it. And he was just like, huh, that was good. And just like kept going on with the interview. He was one of the nicest guys. But um it's kind of been a mix of doing a lot of research and then just, I'll say, professionally winging it. Um, and what I mean by that is a lot of times I notice when I prepare too much for an interview, um, the way I, my mind works, it became too structured. But if I just let the conversation flow and just went in with no expectations, it's like, okay, something's going to happen while we're all together and it's just going to spark a mood. Um, and that mood's going to roll to more and more things, you know, on this upcoming season, there was one band and all of a sudden during the interview, he's just laying down across the chairs and I'm feeding him Cheetos. Like that wouldn't have been something that we could have planned going into the scenario, but it became one of the funniest interviews. Um, so it's, it's been a balance and, you know, being a three person crew, it's a videographer an audio guy, and then me doing everything else, you know, it it's a lot to, you know, schedule everything, find the band, sponsorships, bookings, venue, research, all of that. So there is kind of a bit of randomness in what we do, but I think it also, you know, is very nice. And, you know, one day we'll be at that point, like Jimmy Fallon, we'll have someone come in and be like, all right, this is everything you need to know to say this. But until then, you know, kind of like you're doing it's just it's just us trying to make it work 
Yeah, man. I, I appreciate the hustle, you know? Um, cause like, I mean, I'll show you it's, it's, I have like outlines, like I, I take notes, you know what I mean? But I don't, mm -hmm. ever, I don't, I used to write questions when I was doing, um, feature writing because, you know, sometimes like that, that was still like pre podcast taken off. So sometimes mm. I would get people for like 40 minutes and then there would be a couple of times people would be like, Hey, how much longer is this going to go? Cause I actually got a studio session. I'd be like, Oh no, I'm talking their ear off. You know? <laughs> um, I, you know, I think the same thing with me is when I, that might be the different when I pre-wrote questions, it felt too much like a script. Mm -hmm. um, but when you just write topics down, it can flow and you could pull it in and out in different areas. But then, you know, for me, at least, you know, when you interview a bigger artist, it's like, oh, I don't want them to see me constantly looking down at my notes. And if this is going to be on TV and they're going to see my eyes going off, but it's human nature when you work, you know, we do 20 artists at a time and the filming is done so quickly. It's just, it's impossible to remember that much information for that many people. You know, you got to have references and things like that. So I, yeah, I'm a hundred percent with you on that. Yeah. Like I, I kind of like, you know, my, my interview style, like I try not, I try to be like an anti-interview interview, like, and I enjoy Q and A's, you know what I mean? Like I love, I love watching like certain YouTube videos where it's like the kind of rapid fire stuff. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if, if it's uh Empiricon that does it. They do like a series of questions and I'm trying to remember what they call it. Um, but anyway, they'll have like, you know, different metal bands on and stuff. And it'll be like, you know, favorite food, favorite movie and like yep. kind of list things are fun, but I'm also like, for me, it's like I, I want to get to more to know the person, and when people listen, mm -hmm. just listen to like a, a, a conversation. And and I and I love all the late night stuff. I literally love all the late night guys. Like, grew up watching like Conan and Jay Leno and Letterman and all the. And I love all like Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel, all of them. I love them, but um, and and I still enjoy those interviews. But but there's obviously like a formula to that too. You know what I'm saying? And I think yeah. I think that's why podcasts have taken off because people usually don't get the long form, or at least historically, they didn't get the long form with the audience. Yeah. You know? And that's kind of the same thing, you know, we deal with with the show is, you know, for CBS purposes, it has to land at exactly 28 minutes and 30 seconds. So, you know, we put four bands on an episode and you want to give that you, there's so much stuff that happens in those interviews that we can't fit. Um, so in the future, we're going to start trying to actually do like extended cuts of everything like that. There are a few that we're going to be, uh, working on with Adobe radio. Um, so we like, we have an interview with state champs that one it's, it's a great interview. And the episode with that comes out next week, uh, October 6th, but I sent them the extended interview. So we'll see about doing like a exclusive for them where they have the longer interview on their YouTube that people can check out. Um, cause they were a ton of fun. Their bass player and I actually toured together a long time ago. So, um, it was cool to be able to have that kind of, he was in a different band at that time. I was in a different band. So I kind of knew a lot more backstory than with other bands. Cause we were together on the road for a couple weeks. Yeah. So the genesis of this Johnny, and this is all great, man. I feel like I could talk to you for four hours. I won't. Cause I know you got a, <laughs> you got a life and a wife, man, but, um, but so talk to me and the people about the genesis of this show, because, you know, from doing my research, obviously hope, you know, fans of yours listening to this are going to know about the wildfires project. And I obviously yeah. want to do that too. 
but from what I understand, you were on tour with the red suit jump or the red, uh, the red suit, the red, there we go. This is live folks. That happens. The red <laughs> apparatus. My mind works faster than I talk sometimes, but you were on tour with the red jumpsuit apparatus and then COVID happens, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, and it kills the tour. The world stops. Everybody's like, what's going on? And the, the sounds of the underground was, were, did you already have that kind of in the back of your mind or was that something that kind of came out of like, okay, we can't tour, but how can we kind of put a show together, still give bands a place where mm. they perform these songs live and we can put this up on YouTube. Was that kind of what so, happened? So you're partially right. So okay. the first season we were able to actually release before, I, I want to say right before COVID it was, um, it came out the fall of 2019, I believe. Um, and that was like, I'm going to be, I had no idea what I was doing. I was working for a production company that was super shady and being a musician myself, I was like, you know what, as a young musician, I'm tired of getting screwed over. I'm tired of being, you know, under appreciated because I'm not, you know, there's just so much, I won't get into it, but there's so much industry politics that keeps younger bands kind of back from getting the success they should. And my goal was to stop that, give bands who are, you know, more unknown a chance to perform with bigger bands, which doesn't, the opportunity is not always there in the actual live setting. So I had this idea and I told my friend at the production company, he said, do not give it to them. They're going to ruin it. Um, So I got their contact at CBS and I started kind of putting the show together while I was there. And then there was one point where this woman who worked above me, she just pulled like the last straw and I shot everyone an email there and said, I quit. I'm leaving now, you know, thanks for the opportunity and went and did the show. Um, so it was all, I, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what cameras I needed. I was like, okay, it says I need a frame rate of this you know, for low lighting concert. Okay. We'll get this camera and we'll get this camera. That's slightly different just in case that one sucks. And my church at the time, let us do some filming there. And then we were in this shady studio in LA that we were filming in one room and the major room had like this weed convention going on. So it was like, and you know, it just came together. We had August Burns, red, red jumpsuit, Craig Owen, Talfax did a reunion on it. And then this is where the red jumpsuit part comes in. So Ronnie actually performed with us on the show as well. There's a recording and video. Uh, he's doing our song, a letter to myself with us. And then obviously he's on it with his own song, but we were talking and that man has great conversation and great story. Talk about someone you could talk to for four hours. That interview was phenomenal. And one day I'll go back and post the whole thing. But we had talked about working on a record and me, you know, like a young guy, I'm starting at the same, you know, doing this for the first time. I'm trying to like push, you know, my own music. And he calls me up a couple of weeks later. He's like, hey, you want to do this record? And I was like, oh, shit, Ronnie wants to do a record with me. So let's do the record. And at the time I was like, oh, man, he's probably going to cost like two, three grand a song. You know, let's just do an EP, not a full record. But he wrote and produced it with us you know, for nothing. He even covered some of the studio time. So I am forever grateful to him. Then he asked, he's like, Hey, you, you want to come on tour with us? And I was like, yeah, I want to go on tour with you. So we started the tour 
finally everything's falling into place. I've been playing music for years. I just started this show. So, you know, this big artist took an interest in me, put me on the road a few weeks in COVID screws it. Um, and I know a lot of artists have felt the same way as I did. It was like, you know, what the hell are we going to do? You know, I just bought, finally got a good tour, finally got a, you know, a record that I'm super proud about, just paid this PR company, just bought all this merch. What am I going to do? So, you know, I was lost for a while and, you know, I almost didn't do Sounds of the Underground because how are you going to get people in when everything's closed? So luckily there was one studio that was still open. I was like, you know what? We can't tour. Let's make this show happen again. Let's not make this stop. So we did it. You know, bands came in with their masks. They took them off for the performance and interview and they left and we just kept a nice cycle going. We're able to push the show a little bit more following that. It was even harder because of COVID. So if you notice the last season, there are, that's the first time we did remote performances. So you'll see a lot of the bands are performing in their house or, you know, studio space. And that was a a hurdle to overcome because when you have gear manufacturers sponsoring the show, they want their gear on camera, rightfully so. Well, you know, if, the band in Michigan doesn't have SE electronic microphones. How are we going to make this work? So that was a hurdle. And then we figured it out. And this season we actually rolled with that idea because we realized it's easier to get some of these larger artists, you know, if they can do it remotely than them having to be in California. You know, if we had the budget to film one band a day, that's fine. We're like, Oh, you know, simple plans here on this day. We'll do it. Then, you know, in a month, this person's here, we'll do it then. But we have two days, six to seven bands a day. It, so it doesn't always work out. And then, you know, Zoom became popular. I'm like, all right, we'll, we'll try it. And this season, I mean, we have Symbol Plant, State Champs, Maggie Lindman, Hollywood Undead, you know, the biggest roster of artists we've had um, collectively, I'll say, because obviously August Burns, Red, Red Jumpsuit, all of them are huge. But collectively, when you look at like Spotify streams, Instagram followers, TikTok followers, you know, this is the biggest one yet. So we've gotten over a lot of our hurdles and we're really just hoping at this point, you know, this season releases soon um, that people really pay attention to it. And the end goal really for me, I would love to get this on Netflix or something like that. I would love to sign a deal with them. Um, Obviously, you know, I'll take Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, whoever they want to be, get it there. And then that would just give us the resources to actually, do more for artists and do longer episodes and not have to stress so much about, you know, where's this studio going to be? Where's the money coming from? Who's, you know, doing this, 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 and that maybe we'll have two cameramen, you know, (laughs) there's all these things that people don't realize. Um, And I know I'm talking a ton here, but um, you're good. You know, some things, you know, we record, And this is something that I've never put in an interview, but people who know can pick it up. We record about four takes for each artist. We use one full audio take, but because we only have one camera person, we need all four of those takes to cut in varying footage. Because if we didn't, it would just be one wide shot or like someone running around. And it's also nice because it gives artists a chance. You know, if it was live TV, they could play it once, you know. People's voices go out. People play the wrong notes. This allows them to 
be happy with one of the takes audio wise, and then we could build the video around it. Yeah, that makes sense, man. Because watching it, I'm like, it's very well done. Like I, I the the interview the interview was funny. Um, the guy was uh, a couple of them were holding like potted plants. It was dead lakes. I yes. That. Yeah, <laughs> I remember and, that. Yeah, and you were like, you were like straight the whole time. You were like played it cool, like you know what I mean. And these yeah. were holding like the potted plant in the background, and like, and I was watching it like, dude, this is hilarious. But then it was really cool, and I think that's what's cool about the show watching a few episodes i was like mm. like man like it has like a cool organic feel and even the lead singer at dead lakes was like dude thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to play these songs man and they were in like that like warehouse almost looking yeah background. and and it was but it, it, it was dope because it was like there's a lot of bands that shoot their music videos in warehouses obviously as you know um but but to see them play it live and to see that that kind of like I felt like it was a reciprocal thing. It's like, obviously you're happy to do it because you love music and you're yeah. these artists, but they were like, dude, this is dope that we get a chance to perform these songs. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Um, and that was a cool one, how that came into. So that's, that was, so actually that was in the second season. That was the first, you know, remote thing we did, but it, it was a struggle finding bands because as we always have bands come in, no one was traveling. No one was doing this. People were afraid to go out and, you know, dead lakes team, you know, I asked them to be on the show. They're like, how would you feel about them performing their full EP? Because they can't tour it. And I was like, this is phenomenal. Not only is it a cool concept, but I don't have to find three other bands to come out of their COVID lockdown to be on the show. Um, and it was really cool. And what's nice is, you know, a lot of people don't realize we're not affiliated in any way, shape or form with CBS. Um they don't fund the show. They don't sponsor the show. We just get the airtime from them to be able to put the show on CBS, you know, kind of the same way an infomercial works, but we do it with TV or TV series. Um, so we can pretty much do whatever we want. We don't have, you know, a corporate person telling us, you know, oh, well, you can't make a scene like this. You can't make a scene like this. We just, you know, obviously can't drop the F-bomb on TV. Right. Um, or have us doing the interviews naked. Although <laughs> that was something we we were we were talking about uh, editing this season. The videographer, he's great. His name's Sean Sweetman. Um, highly recommend him. And he was like, you know what? Next season we got to just do some weird stuff. Like everyone's just in their underwear or like naked and blurred out doing an interview. And I'm like, you know what? Blink One Eighty Two would do that. All Time Low would do that. It would have to be the right band. But, um, you know, just doing weird things like that, we we actually started thinking a lot like, uh, what would Eric Andres do? Because that show is off the rails. I know there's that one with Kim Kardashian, and she has no idea what's going on. He's completely unhibited and un unhinged. Like Exactly. That dude, that dude does anything, yeah. So we started, like, dipping our toes this season and that kind of thing. You'll especially notice that with the intros and outside outros of the show. Um, and certain things said to bands were like, let's, you know, let's play it safe for now, but let's, you know, see how we can kind of push things. Um, and I think it turned out great. You know, he kept saying these like, what if we tried this? The only, the only thing I didn't keep, cause it definitely made, honestly, it made me look like a dick, but, um, so I'm really dry in my humor. And during this interview, um, I was talking to the band and as a joke, I was like, oh, you know, how do you think people like your music? Because honestly, I don't. 
Um, and they knew it was a joke. If you watch the whole clip, you know, everyone's laughing. But the way he had cut it together was just all the dead space of our faces throughout the entire interview. So it was just like I said that and then they're deadpan. I'm deadpan. They're deadpan. I'm deadpan. So it was like, you know, I don't know if we're ready for that. People right now, you know, things are getting... Uh, I don't want to say people are more sensitive now, but you can't be as mean as you used to be in comedy. Um, so I didn't want it coming across the wrong way. And I was like, Hey, you know, I'm not ready for that kind of humor, but maybe next season, if it goes over well, or um, yeah, or have somebody clip that out of context. Yeah. There's I, I exactly. There's a lot of ways yep. to go wrong. Yeah. That was my, my issues. I didn't want like, you know, someone clips it out of context, put it on TikTok, and be like, Hey, you know, look at how much of a dick this guy is when really, if you were in the moment, it was it was very funny and it was just great humor. Um, and the band is great as well. We had a lot of fun. Um, they talk about a lot of cool things. So, you know, but like I said, we can do what we want. And that's great. You know, I know if we sold it or had, a, you know, like a Netflix or something come in, obviously things would have to change a little bit. They always do. It's same with signing with a major label. But you know, the pros of having more eyes on a show and being able to do more is much higher than maybe losing a little control. Um, and I think in a lot of entertainment industries, people are afraid of that because it's like, you know, this is my art. You know, I want to keep it how I want to keep it. But it's a give and take. If you want people to invest in you and do something with you, you also have to take their ideas and concerns into consideration and, you know, at this point, I understand that and we're ready for that. So we're, you know, we want to make the best content we can until then. And I'm believing it will happen. That's awesome, dude. And I think, and I think it's cool just, to, you know, especially with the theme of the show being perseverance and moving forward with this podcast, like, like to hear you say, cause that was one of the things that I thought was just like, I always have those moments in my life where I'm like, it, it's like, it's like Talladega Nights. So it's like, I'm not, not sure, I'm not sure what to do with my hands. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was the first thing I thought was like, how did this dude get like a show started and then get, get connected to have it air on CBS and get all these bands. And like, and I think it's, it's an important lesson for people listening. It's like, you don't have to know what you're doing to take that first step. You just have to yeah. take the first step. You know what I mean? Like, obviously you had yeah. experience of being in a band. So it's not like you were coming in totally like, totally unknown like stepping on a forum yeah. and it, like you had experience as a musician you have connections in the music and entertainment industry um production experience so you weren't completely fish out of water but at the same time yeah. you just had the courage to, to take that first step and that's and I think what i'm learning to do you know yeah the main thing people have to understand i think is you're gonna mess up and you're gonna you're gonna say things that you didn't realize you shouldn't have said you're gonna rub people the wrong way. And for me, you know, the difficult part about the show for me is I'm working with these, you know, managers, agents and things as a show producer working with their artists. But I also am an artist looking to work with these producers uh, and agents in that respect. So I have to be careful to protect. I'm trying to think of the easiest way to say this. So I have to protect the the show. I have to do what's best for the show and the artists. And sometimes conflicts come up and there's always the concern, like, is that conflict going to interfere with, you know, me as a musician? So there have been times where things have come up and I was like, you know, sometimes bridges will get burned. You know, it's not what you want to happen. 
But, you know, if you're trying to do something great and you really want it to happen, there's going to be people who believe in you. There's going to be people who kind of falter that line and are going to be really hard on you. And then there's going to be people who don't believe in you at all. And they're going to be like, yeah, we'll give it a go. And it's just balancing all that. And I've, you know, I have experience, but I've never done television and I've never been so connected with major people in the industry. And it's like, oh, you know, crap, if I piss off this person, are they going to tell this person, this person, this person? Um, And thank God there's only been in the four years I've been doing this one dispute. But when that dispute happened, it was like, I don't know what to do. Like, you know, how is this going to affect the show? How is this going to affect my career? Do they know somebody? You know, am I not going to be able to get this band on? Because, you know, they were a manager at one time. So wrapping that all up, because my mind does start to wander. It always does. Um, If you have a good idea, go for it and understand you are going to screw up at some point and someone is going to get mad at you or vice versa. But that's just starting a business and you can't let that prevent you from starting it and you can't let that prevent you from moving forward. There are plenty of times, even this year, I, you know, beginning of the year, I said, you know what, I'm not doing the show anymore. It's a lot of stress. Um, it's just three of us. It's, it's, you know, it's a lot that weighs down because it takes months and months and months. And then I woke up one morning and I was like, shit, I have to do it. There's just something pulling me. I was like, I know I'm going to be stressed. I know I'm going to have to worry about finances, but there's something here and I can't let that go. And so I, I fight through the good. I fight through the bad. I fight, you know, I have great connections. I made like the one with the red jumpsuit. That was amazing. And then, you know, you have connections that maybe aren't as great or things that go wrong, but it's a business, you know, even in your own business, your own workplace, you have disputes with people and, you know, just, if you love something, you got to do it. You know, same, you know, bands as well. People come and go from bands. You have fights with people. But if it's truly your passion, don't let that stop you. You lose your whole band, play to a track. You know, it, there's never a good reason to stop no matter what. And that huge roundabout answer probably talked about a lot of different things. But, you know, I usually am not the one getting interviewed. So I have a lot to say. <laughs> <laughs> No, dude, it makes it makes sense. No, and I was I was interested to see how 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 would we because I was like, man, maybe what if what if he tries to interview me? But I'm like, I'm cool. I'm an open book. We just, you know, no, it's all good. It makes sense. And I think I think the way I think about things too, Johnny, is like it, at the end of the day, I feel like especially people who've been in the game a while, whatever the game is, right? Mm-hmm. I, people can smell BS, and I think they can they can smell authenticity. And I think real people know when something's real, when somebody's onto something. And they also know when somebody's coming from a genuine place. So I think if you have, if you have good intentions and, and you and you live your life going, hey man, I have good intentions, whether it's with the business, certainly with people, you know, there there might be times where you know you, you get the short end of the stick, but there's also gonna I I ultimately believe uh whatever we do, good or bad, comes back to us. I guess mm-hmm. karma, right? People <clears throat> define that as karma. Um, and I, and I believe in that. So I think at the end of the day, man, if you're a good dude and you believe in your show, like you said, you know, there, there's going to be maybe some shows that are better than others. You're going to get some egg on your face at, at some point, but at, <laughs> at the end of the day, if you're making what you love to make and you have good intentions, I think at the end of the day that yeah. 
that's really the most important thing, man. You know? Yeah. And it's, it's life, you know, you, you're going to click with some people. You're not going to click with others. You know, there's certain people, you know, I would choose not to work with again, but there's people that I've worked with as much as I can, you know, um, Mest was on the show twice. Ronnie was on the show three times. You know, you, you become good friends with people and you want to help them. Um, right now we're putting together a tour and it's kind of like the same thing. You know, I want to help people in as much as I can. Um, but you also have to make sure the product is good. And I'm confident that it is, even though, you know, as the creator, there's things that I'm like, Oh, I mean, I wish this was different. I wish this was different. The viewer doesn't know. Um, and I know that there is something here because this is like the first season people actually reached out to me as far as the bigger industry people, you know, I got bands on the show this time around that I didn't even email the people, you know, they came to me, which is a good feeling. And that's kind of what pushed me to do it again. Cause everyone was like, Hey, you do another season. I got a great band. You do another season. I got a great band. I'm like, Oh crap. I got to do another season. They got a great band. Um, so, you know, here I am ready to go. Uh, excited that we started filming this thing in June or July. And there's like two, I think I started getting bands in like March and April. And now it's going to be October and it's airing. So it's, it's, it's a lot of, it's, it's almost six months or it is six months um, to put it together. And so it's nice that it's finally paying off in some respect. For sure, man. So before we wrap it up, Johnny, thanks again so much, man, for, for making this happen. You know, um, speaking of good intentions, like, you know, you reached out, <laughs> we had, we had a couple of misconnections. So I was like, oh man, you know, cause that's my, my biggest thing is like, I never want to seem unprofessional because I know when yep. the same two people look at likes, they look at followers and it's like, I feel like I'm still in that building stage, even though I, I believe in the quality of what I'm doing. And I know my intentions with doing the stuff. And I'm like, I know if somebody comes on my show and I'm not saying it's a toot my own horn, but I'm like, I know they're going to enjoy the conversation yeah. because it's like, I, I prepare, I do my homework and I really love this stuff. And I know they'll feel that because again, you've been in it long enough, you know, if somebody's, you know, full of crap or not. And so the fact that we, we had time to work it out, but before we wrap it up. So for people who are unfamiliar in this episode will be airing mid-October at the time it hits everybody's eardrums. Um, where and when can they can they watch? Because I know there's stuff that, that's out there that's on YouTube as well, but where yeah. can they see it? The best place to watch, I'd say, is YouTube. Um, the reason being is the CBS stations that we choose aren't in every location, okay. and the times do vary. So if you just want to make sure it's on your calendar – Every episode this year is released at 5 p.m. Pacific time uh, on Thursday. So that's when the full episode goes up and then the individual ep segments that we post for the artists will go up the following day. Um, and at this point, if this is airing mid-October, that means you're pretty close to seeing Simple Plan's exclusive performance and interview. Um, so also, you know, TikTok, at that that's been an adjustment for me and having like experience with acting and talking on a stage my voice sometimes comes off very radio and like um i don't efficient's not the word but structured like that 
and I'll have my wife come in and she'll be like, you can't make a TikTok that sounds like that. You just sound like a robot. And so she'll be here next to me like, do it again, do it again, try this. So now that I've gotten the hang of TikTok, we are going to be posting content before the episodes air. So it's at Wildfires Project, same with the Instagram. Um, but yeah, the best place to watch is YouTube. Check it out on TikTok. If you're more of an Instagram person, we're posting the reels as well. Um, and then the website, soundstheundergroundtv.com. And we do actually have a playlist up on Spotify now with all the bands. Uh, it sounds the underground TV. And then there's another one that's new punk essentials. So the one is only bands from the show. And then the other one is bands from the show as well as like bands. Um, so people can hear the newer artists, even if they missed an episode and artists that are like them. Sweet. And I'll make sure to link all of it in the podcast description for everybody listening. So just scroll down to the bottom of the podcast description. You have all the links um, and before I let you go, man, this, so what season is this now? Is this four, three? Yeah. So this is the fourth season. Um, kind of from this point out, I don't know if I'm going to label them as seasons anymore. Cause I feel like they're more installments, you know, it's not like 10, 15, 20 episodes at a time. Right. Uh, it's five episodes. So I'm going to, that's, that's the term I'll start using. It's the fourth installment of the show. We have five new episodes, which is amazing. And then hopefully we can actually start building like spring and fall doing more. So as long as people keep watching and supporting it, and as long as bands are still interested in coming on, I just know that I am going to keep doing this. And even if I doubt it for a moment, I'm going to swing back around and it's going to be like, all right, guys, we're doing another one. Um, I I should probably get some interns to help. <laughs> but um, no, yeah, so we're excited to act, have survived COVID and, and still be here. For sure, dude. And before we officially wrap up, Johnny, thanks again, man. This has been so awesome. I did want to touch on the music. Yeah, I got time. So don't feel like you have to. The Wildfires Project, man, I want people to check this out because I feel like anybody who's a fan of from anything from like pop to pop punk to like metalcore to post-hardcore, there's there's influences that range in all of it. Um I think Lost and Searching spoke to me the most, which I believe is, I don't know if it's the most recent. I know it came out in 2022. Is that the most recent one, Lost and Searching? Yes. And that is where I think a sound was finally settled on. And I think artists, that's a hard thing for a lot of us because we listen to so much music. One day we'll be like, oh man, this pop song is amazing. And then the next day it's like, oh crap, Silverstein just dropped this insane song, you know, for me that was bankrupt. And I was like, this is heavy. I want to do that. Yeah. Um, so I think on this record, we finally found that balance. Um, you know, me and the producer, uh, his name's John Espy. He's actually the drummer for Red Jumpsuit, drummed for yeah. us on tour as well. You know, he obviously does the rock stuff, but he also does the pop stuff. And then we had a pop writer come in. My buddy is super into metal. We had him come in and we just all worked this out. And we're like, this is an interesting piece of work that hits a lot of genres, but at the same time sounds cohesive. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of pop elements, but then we have secrets. Uh, Wade Walters come in and he does some heavy screams on living the life. Another buddy of mine did some heavy screams on in the calm. And then we have on the opposite spectrum, Say We Can Fly, doing a super pop verse in a song. Um, so I'm glad you you realized that. And, you know, I'm excited that that came out. We worked 
incredibly long on that. We did that. It took like a year to come out with. Wow. Um, well, six months for the first single, we finished it up about a year just because between the show and touring and all these things, it's like, when is there time? Yeah, man. Yeah. You, you stay busy, dude. I, I really liked, uh, <laughs> in the calm spoke to me a lot, especially everything I've been dealing with in the last year and a half of my life. Mm-hmm. Headlights. I really liked as well. Um, and then, and, but, but I also, the stuff that came out before that, like through fear and fighting, you know, my disease is a banger, uh, wasting time. Yeah. Garden so volume one was cool. Like, uh, if you're a, uh, Will Ferrell fan. So we had like two hours free at a studio, a really bad camera. And I was like, you know what? I just want to do something fun. Just a casual video. You know, who cares about the quality? Um, you know, it's better to put something up than nothing. So I was like, you know what? It's me and my brother. We're going to do Step Brothers. So it was like Halloween time. They had Step Brothers costumes at uh, Spirit Halloween. We got them. We put them on. And we just filmed like this cheap Step Brothers inspired video for wasting time. And it actually works because if you think of like prestige worldwide, you know, if Will Ferrell and John C. Riley were doing that, you know, the content was not going to be top notch. It was going to be like home video style. Um, but if you're a fan of Step Brothers, you'll notice there's like a lot of not super hidden Easter eggs. Like there's one part where we're wearing John Stamos masks. There's another part where, you know, my brother has a T-Rex behind me for when the dad says he lost his dinosaur. Um, there's a remote control helicopter that flies through a scene like the Catalina wine mixer. Um, so yeah, if you like that kind of cheesy comedy type thing, wasting time is, is a good video to, to watch, but I assure you the quality is not that high. (laughs) No, that's good, man. I think it's good to have fun with stuff and not take yourself too seriously. Always kill switch is one of my favorite bands and Mm -hmm. he's like the biggest goofball ever. And I love that dude, man. Um, but yeah, I I really enjoyed the, the genre blending and, and the different the different avenues that you guys take. And there's a lot of heartfelt stuff in there. Like in 2018, a letter to myself, like, dude, you were coming from like the depths of your soul on that one. Like, uh, you know what I mean? And then like going yeah. way up into in the calm, like that that was another one, man. So and again, like you know, stuff like my disease, wasting mm. time. You know, like you had stuff that was more heavy hitting, and like metal is like the heavy stuff that is the stuff that always speaks to me the most, but I enjoyed the fact that you explore the different genres. And I think that's, what's cool about music right now is it's, I feel like influences are cool again. I feel like we were in a place mm. for a while where it was like new metal wasn't cool. And yeah. I loved new metal because Lincoln park came out when I was in junior high. And I remember the mm-hmm. first time I heard Lincoln park, I was like, what is this? You know? Um, and obviously we were talking about corn, I think before the jump, one of my mm-hmm. favorite bands ever, but also like, I feel like pop punk has had a huge resurgence, you know, and then you hear yeah. influences and in, um, hip hop coming from metal and hip hop being yeah. in country and being in pop punk. Like it's, it's cool, man. So I think it's cool that you guys are exploring different avenues. Yeah. And I think what kind of helped with that was, I mean, a day to remember is a band that always had super heavy stuff, but then they had, you know, you had me at hello. And that's like the most pop boy band type, girly punk song you can have and then you also have you know bring me the horizon they're doing more you know mainstream pop stuff as well they're putting young blood and all them in the songs they did the song with mgk it's like the genre has become so intertwined that we're no longer in an era where people like metal and just metal 
we're in an era where people like metal and pop and if you can mix them together and make it work you know you you can just broaden your audience so much more and i think that's what we tried to capture there and what we're going to try to capture in the future and if you know it's just about a good song now um if it's a good song people like it you know i don't listen to certain artists but if they have like a song that's great i'm not going to just not listen to it you know if justin timberlake comes out with an amazing song it's an amazing song it doesn't matter if it's what i listen to normally yeah for sure and i think it's cool i mean and and it's it's funny like i'm at that age uh at 34 now where I'm still like music is my jam. It's, 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 it's a life's blood for me. You know, those hypotheticals I've, I've talked about with a couple of different people on the podcast. Like if you had to lose one of your senses, you know, those questions where it's like, yeah, hopefully this never happens. But if you had to, if you were on a desert island, blah, blah, blah. But I think about that. I'm like as intimate as sight is and being able to see things and the freedoms that come with that, like driving a car and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, dude, if I lost my hearing and I couldn't listen to music anymore, I, I think I'd lose my mind, man. I, I would rather be blind than oh, yeah. any day of the week, man. And I, and I've damaged my hearing from listening mm-hmm. to loud music, but oh, I, yeah. I, I mean, still, I, I couldn't not, I wouldn't want to live in a world where I couldn't listen to music. Yeah. I mean, just sit in a vocal booth for 10 minutes and you'll be like, this is just too quiet this is the most silent thing I've heard. And you just start to go insane. Yeah. <laughs> Well, before we officially close, and thank you again, Johnny, so much, especially for taking a little extra time with me, because I, I did my homework and I saw, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you're into horror, and I don't think I'm wrong because the, the fans listening, can't <laughs> think we got Tales from the Crypt over your left shoulder, but um, we got to geek out on some horror real quick. So Tales yeah. freaked me out when I was a kid. It was probably a little too adult for me at the time, but I also grew up with Are You Afraid of the Dark? and goosebumps <laughs> yes are you from the same 90s kid generation and are you I am. one team or the other or are you a fan of both i'm a fan of both i remember uh when the uh the haunted mass came out i'm a little bit younger than you not too much but a little bit i the whole it scared the crap out of me i did not wear a mask after like it got stuck to that guy's face and the bugs were going in and out of his eyes it's like i can't I can't wear a mask again, but then like, are you afraid of the dark? They had that, you know, I remember there was one episode where the people just didn't have faces anymore. And I thought there was like one of those faceless people in the shower once when I was going to the bathroom. And so, yeah, at a young age, I mean, I was always super into that and um, it just kind of grew as I got older and it's nice to see. The one thing that's always dumb is horror movies rarely get good ratings but 99% of the time I enjoy all of them, whether they're like the B rated ones or the top line ones. I just love them. So, so give the fans real quick off the dome, some of your favorites, maybe a few obscure ones that you don't think they'd be familiar with, but are worth checking out. And then the last piece of that would be the most recent one you saw that was unsettling to you. We were like, Oh, this kind of freaked me out. So, classic favorite would be the shining 80s like slasher favorite would be nightmare on elm street and then the modern favorite would be insidious the first one the first time you see that and that guy's face is right behind them at the kitchen table i literally jumped and grabbed 
my uncle next to me, we jumped at the same, and I've never jumped in a movie theater at a movie and we just grabbed each other. And at the end we're like, that didn't happen. <laughs> uh, so like, those are the ones categorically. And then I'd say like, I'm not an obscure movie. People probably haven't watched that was terrifying. And I didn't even watch it with subtitles. So I had no idea what was going on. There's a French movie called Levide. And I would like to watch it again and actually see the words. But from what I recall, it was like these people are in this old house and there's this like ballerina statue that's actually not a statue and it's a living creature. And that's all I'll say. Um, and it was terrifying. The la- I don't know about the last horror movie I've watched. I've been watch- getting through like the Netflix stuff. I thought Midnight Mass was great that tv show the devil in ohio got really dark um and then both those out i've heard good so something that i think flies under the radar is the strain that tv series um it was produced by guillermo del toro who i love i read that's one of the only things i could say like yeah i read the comics before it was out um that was great and then out of indie films which kind of became popular the Baba Duke was terrifying. I don't know if you saw that. I watched that with my brother, and we we also we had to watch. Uh, it was like Tim and Eric's Big Adventure, or whatever. We had to watch afterwards. We had to watch like the the goofiest movie <laughs> ever. After that. As grown men, like yeah, that was yeah. Like, before I that, moved to Nashville, probably seven years ago. That was the craziest movie, dude. And I had no idea what to expect. Like me and my dad, we were he had moved out to California first, and he was staying in this like one room extended living. And we're like, what do we do? And we put that movie on, and both of us were like what just happened it's just terrifying yeah that one's that one's crazy i think how about yourself what's your favorites um definitely it's always so hard to think when people ask that yeah i well it it, actually the timing is good because we're getting into halloween time so i'm like geeking out and and i and i've recorded an episode um that is coming out after your episode comes out in october where i geek out with uh horror movies with with a couple of cool independent filmmakers and creators. They're in California. I'll have to give you their names, nice. connect with them. Steven Aripes and Dylan Baumgartner. Um, Dylan has real verse productions and is a musician. He's a great guy. And Steven Aripes just came out with his uh, horror movie, the director's cut, uh, which um, he's trying to, you know, put out on the, the film circuit right now, the film festival circuit. But anyway, great dudes to connect with for you and for anybody listening, check them out, support them. But so we geeked out. So it's actually fresh in my mind having the tables turned and ask that question. <laughs> Definitely all time favorite, I would say, is um, American Werewolf in London. I, okay. I think it's got the coolest uh, werewolf transition scene ever um, for people listening. Like the the people who did the special effects and that also did the thriller video for Michael Jackson. Like it's, oh, wow. it's, it's awesome. And there's also a lot of satire in it. It's a horror movie, but it's also like funny. And comedic um and then i would say the descent is one of my favorite horror movies yeah i just love i love that um the twists in that and just you know the scary stuff to me is the stuff that kind of seems real and yeah. it's probably not actually it's probably actually classified as a thriller not a horror but stir of echoes scared the bejesus out of me when i was a kid did you ever see it with kevin bacon i never saw that one but i find myself now i really like the more post-apocalyptic horror like i love this stuff that's just like the world 
even if it's not the world has ended, but like even Midnight Mass, it's, they're on this island where it's like these people are so far removed from what the real world is. And they're just on this like dying island. And then this whole thing just breaks out. And just that like ominous setting where like people are there, but you're still alone. Like that's super scary to me. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I now see. I, I feel like the universe is talking to me because I've seen that a few times, and I'm like, I gotta watch that. I gotta now. I'm gonna watch it. Man. So you gotta, if you like slow burn, it's great. If you don't, you have to get through at least like the first two or three episodes because it it really sets what is gonna happen. And I know a lot of people are like, well, if it doesn't hook me in the first episode, I'm not gonna give it the time. Give this one the time. It's worth it. Yeah, and speaking of slow burns, Midsummer, hereditary. I see that. Yeah, Midsummer. Have you have you have you watched it? I haven't. I I saw it, but I wasn't sure from what I saw if it was horror or just weird or what it was. Does your wife like horror movies? The only reason I ask is because I recommend you watch it with somebody because <laughs> it's going to burn your brain and you're going to want emotional support when you watch. I, I guess we're watching that tonight. <laughs> Yeah, it's, she hates them, but she'll watch them. Let me, yeah, let me know what you think, man. Mid- Midsummer messed me up. Um, the canal also messed me up. That's another slow. I think burn. I've seen that one. The canal yeah. is, uh, I think it was like an Irish horror movie, but that, mm-hmm. that was a creepy one. But yeah, those those would be some of um, those would be some of my faves, man. But uh, dude, this has been awesome, and uh, I want to be respectful of your time, but I also want to <laughs> tell people to check out reverse the trend too. you know, when I read that you, you were doing work on um, cyberbullying, speaking to schools, it was something like I read 400, yeah. 500 different schools and talking about that. I think that's really important. Suicide is an epidemic in this country. Yeah. Um, and I just want kids to know that they, they can talk to people and mm. you talk to people, man. And so I think it's really cool. I know we didn't get into that too much, but I want to throw that out before we No, Yeah. And just like a, a quick way to kind of just, you know, put that into this is reverse the trend was something my former band had started um, to reach out in schools to people who were being bullied and things about suicide prevention. And um, we did 700 shows in four years at schools. Uh, We brought it onto Warp Tour for a little while and, you know, it was exhausting. So we, we put it on pause and then COVID hit and then Kind of what I did, the reason it's the Wildfires Project is because I brought that message and that idea into the current music that I'm doing. So it was more than just a band. It was an outreach, and that's where the whole project things comes into play. And it is something that I'd love to get back into and actually be able to meet people face-to-face. And I'm hoping now that the world's going open again, we can do that. Um, but at this time, you know, a lot of that is just if people can want to connect with me on Instagram or anywhere, I always make sure I answer. And at shows, I'll talk to people and things like that. And yeah, you know, that that mission is and always has been super big to me. Like you said, a letter to myself really hits on those topics. Um, so, yeah, it is, you know, it's a registered nonprofit. It's a 501c3. So we've had people support it. And hopefully, you know, we can gear up that support again and and do that Um even better than we did before. But um, yeah, if you want to check that out, it's reverse the trend. Um, my band is the wildfires project and the show is sounds of the underground, everything you can find everywhere. I right, see you dude. Thanks. All 
Lighty dighty, there you have it. That was my conversation with Johnny Zirkel of the Wildfires Project and the TV show Sounds of the Underground, which you can watch on CBS and YouTube. Make sure you go follow him on Instagram at Wildfires Project, and that is Project with a K at Sounds of the Underground TV. And the websites are wildfiresproject.com and Sounds of the Underground TV. Johnny, I just want to say thanks again so much, man, for taking the time to come on the podcast and chop it up with me. It was so awesome to get a chance to learn more about your story, how you hatched Sounds of the Underground, the fact that it's a real small team of people that that is making this thing happen and making it look as awesome as it looks. And I'm not just saying that to butter your bread because you took the time to come on the show, my guy. Like, it really is professionally done. It, It looks like a big production. And I think that's just a testament to how much you care about the equipment. You know, your experience with, you know, audio engineering and being a musician yourself and, you know, having, you know, been in, 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 in acting previously, like I, the whole thing is really well done, man. And again, I just I just think it's a really cool concept to merge up and coming artists with artists that have been in the game a while and, and are established. I, I just think it's a you know, and, and putting the conversations that you do with the bands with it, putting your personality into it. I love it, man. And and I know the people listening to this love it as well. So keep doing your thing. Don't quit. That was advice somebody gave me earlier this year. Just don't stop. And, you know, to me, that is that is great advice that I would give to anybody as well. We all start somewhere. And it was just cool to learn about how you got rolling with this thing, man. And I think that's one of the big takeaways for me. Listening back on our conversation was just, you don't need to know everything to get something going, you guys. You just got to have the passion and the fire for it, the love for it. And from there, use the skill set that you have to to make it happen. Um, you know, you can't do everything on your own. Sometimes you, you – not sometimes, really. I mean, I'll say this. I don't think there's any such thing as a self-made person. We all have to have somebody who believes in us, somebody who takes a chance on us, somebody who wants to invest in us, right? Um, and in Johnny's case – he had that experience acting. He had that experience as a musician, and um, he was able to parlay that into starting this show. Um, and he's not doing it by himself, but there's not a big team of people that are making this thing happen. And, and again, if you haven't watched it, definitely check it out. I'm also obviously going to put the link uh, in the podcast description for the YouTube channel as well, so you guys can watch it right on YouTube. Sounds of the Underground TV. Um, all the links are going to be in the podcast description. But if you've got a desire to do something, you guys. If, if you have a passion for something, YouTube is, is a great resource just for looking up how people do it. Um, you don't need a lot of capital or a lot of experience. You just got to have the willpower and the desire to get better. And you can surround yourself with people who know things that you don't know to get the job done. And that's a big, big part of how I got to where I, I got with this podcast. When I first started recording this show, I did it at... Uh, my good buddy Mike Jameson who gave me my shot in broadcasting when nobody knew my name what up JMO I love you Um, back in Toledo Ohio I used to drive out to his house in Rossford which is a a suburb of Toledo where I'm from he had a home studio and we would record it I get on the mic and do my thing like I'm doing right now and he would be the one that would edit it and put it together export it as an mp3 or a WAV file and and give it to me and eventually when I knew Toledo wasn't going to be my born lived in and died and I was going to move, I had to figure out how to do it on my own. So I, I looked up some stuff. I found a little mixing board on Amazon and a, and a microphone and, and a USB setup that I could plug into my computer. 
I looked at what kind of open source software was out there that could make it sound professional um, and, and just learned some little things with audacity. And here we are, you know, um, and that was seven years ago now when I moved to Nashville and I started recording on my own not long before I moved to Nashville in 2015. So uh, almost a decade ago, you know, so if you have the will, you can you can learn it. And it's fun, man. Um, I like figuring stuff out. I like learning new things. So that's a big takeaway from from this episode. I feel like for anybody listening, man, is you don't need to know everything. You just got to take those those first steps and, 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 you know, build a house brick by brick. You know what I mean? My grandma told me that one, one time, you know, change, change just starts with that first step. And, uh, it's a reminder for me from where I'm at in my life right now too, with, with facing my fears, uh, putting myself out there more in a variety of ways and, um, trying to make my voice heard a little bit more. I'm, I'm a humble dude. I'm a modest dude, but I also believe in what I'm doing. Uh, I believe in this podcast and, and, uh, I believe in the direction that I'm going in and I just got to have more faith in the universe and in God above that uh, everything is going to work out. So uh, again, man, you know, if you're out there listening to this and you're struggling, just keep moving forward. Don't be afraid to seek help. Find positive outlets for the negative emotions that you feel, whether it be music, whether it be exercise, whether it be art of any kind, getting outside, getting fresh air, spending time with your friends and family getting therapy if you need it. There's great resources for that. Um, there's there's a lot of ways to deal with stress in positive ways, man. And uh, just know that it gets better. You know, and this is coming from a dude who used to look like Dwight Schrute when I was in the third grade, man. It gets, it gets better. So just keep moving forward, keep marching forth, and let Johnny's story be an example of how to do it, man, and go support this dude. Once again, follow the Wildfires Project on instagram at wildfires project and again that's project with a k at sounds of the underground tv wildfiresproject.com sounds of the underground tv.com the links to everything including the youtube channel where you can watch episodes of sounds of the underground is going to be in the podcast description so just scroll to the bottom of the podcast description of the episode and follow johnny and everything he's got going on and watch these episodes man and it was uh, it actually and again the timing worked out great even though it took a few months um congrats again johnny on getting hitched um because all the new episodes have come out in october so it really it really worked out and again man that's the thing like i just said it all it all gets better it all works out and i'm just really grateful this dude you know took the time to come by the show because i genuinely love the wildfires project and the music that they're making and i think it's really cool that he was able to link up with the dudes and the red jumpsuit apparatus and get the ball rolling for this tv show and i think he's got a bright future ahead of him and yeah man i'm excited to see what comes next so that's gonna do it for this week's episode of march 4th with mike bauman once again man thank you from the bottom of my heart you guys i truly mean it for my friends and my family who motivate me to keep me going you all know who you are i love you all so much to all the people out there who i don't know that listen to this show i love all of you as well and i genuinely mean it man um it's it, again it's crazy to see uh the downloads that i have amassed and they're not <laughs> they're not joe rogan numbers and uh you know some of the other big names out there man but uh but i didn't come into this with a with a with a pre-built audience either from being a comedian or being an actor or being a musician like a lot of the big shows out there. You know what I'm saying? I'm just a regular dude who went to school for this stuff, for journalism and communication. I covered music for a number of years, as some of you may or may not know. Uh, covered sports for a number of years, did local broadcasting back home. 
uh, again, you know, if you if you go to the link tree, you can learn more about me. And to get to where I am today, I mean, it's the culmination of all those experiences. It's the culmination of stepping away from the stuff like I did for a few years in my 20s and my early 30s and just realizing I had to continue to scratch that itch creatively to, to do this stuff because I truly, truly love it. Um, to call it a labor of love would actually be a disservice to it because to me it's not laborious. I look forward to every time I get a chance to get behind the mic and record these things and put them together and share them on socials and, and hopefully the people that come on share it on their socials as well so their audience sees it but uh you know i don't do this because i like to hear myself talk you guys i do this because i really love to do it i love to connect with people in a positive way i know there's a lot of people out there that go through dark things that they don't share with anybody and i know because i do um you know i saw a, a reel on instagram sometimes stuff just hits you right in the feels man and it was like you know the darkness i'm paraphrasing but it was like the darkness that i carry and the things that i don't talk about are why i'm i'm so kind to people and i don't say that to sound self-righteous because i'm not uh you know trying to put myself on a pedestal here but it's true you know when you carry weight around um whether it's anxiety whether it's depression whether it's ocd tendencies whether whether you've been diagnosed bipolar or bpd um, social anxiety, agoraphobia, all these things that people suffer from, uh, childhood trauma that they carry, um, you know, comedy, music, entertainment, it's a big relief for that. Um, and, and sometimes the, the people who are the most gregarious, who are the most affable, who are the ones that make you belly laugh until you almost pee your pants, man, those are the people that sometimes, uh, or oftentimes rather, are carrying a lot of sadness within them. So just check in on your friends, man. And again, I can't I can't emphasize it enough, and I know I've said it multiple times on this show already, but please stay in touch with the people that you love. Please stay in touch with your friends. And, uh, you know, I know things got weird with the pandemic, to say the least, man. A lot of us uh, were inside for a long time. We were isolated for a while, and, and that'll play with your mind. You know, just staring at four walls and working from home, if you're able to work from home like me. Like, you need to get outside. You need to get some fresh air, and, and we're at a place now where we're able to do a lot of things safely again. And it's so great to see all these shows coming back. I just saw that Blink uh, has got a new record coming out and a big worldwide tour that they're doing. Um, and it's so cool to see Mark beat cancer and to see all these dudes still be friends after all these years. You know, Travis was in a plane crash and Tom DeLong has been on a, a really interesting journey. And uh, I mean, it's crazy that that didn't make bigger waves, right? That they that they came out and said that these are unidentified flying objects. Like, it's it's nuts, man. Twenty twenty two. It's it's truth is stranger than fiction. But anyway, I just say all that to say, like, it's really cool to see all these big shows coming back, and to see the kind of um, to see the kind of interest that there is in, in in punk music and pop punk and hardcore and metal. It's awesome, dude. So I'm I'm really excited, and I hope that all of you go support all these bands, whether it's an established band like Blink, whether it's uh, going to punk shows in, in your in your hometown or local shows in your hometown. Um, go support these bands, man. Buy their merch, download the songs, you know, or stream them. It it all it all matters. Comment on their posts, you know, tell them you love their music. Um, take the time to support these artists, man, because they all got hit really hard during the pandemic, as you just heard in this conversation. So yeah, man, uh, I love you all. I genuinely mean it. Keep the faith and be kind to one another. Courtesy of Johnny off of the Wildfire Project's latest EP, 
Lost and searching, here is the song, A Devil with Angel Wings. Peace. A devil inside with angel wings, she goes out to jealousy. The way that he gives, I always lose.